This is RCT 7, The Certainty of Our Faith. We are in the Roman Catechism of Trent, pages 18 to 20. This is part one, the Creed, article one, phrase one, section three. God give you his peace, and know me pachi sifidi et spiritu santi, amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, who art present everywhere, and filling all things, treasure of all good, and source of all life, come dwell in us, cleanse us, and save us, you who are all good. In nomine Patri, Sifidi, et Spiritu Santi, Amen. And just a quick reminder, I will say the catechism here, and I don't think I'll use the word Padre, I'll just say me again or me here. Last announcement on Telegram, as I told you before, I'm kind of getting away from posting on Facebook and tele- Facebook and Twitter so much, but I am on Telegram, and I will link that in the show notes. All you have to do is grab your Apple or iPhone and look for Telegram, and then search Padre Peregrino, and then hit join at the bottom there. Also, you know, before we jump in today, uh, I wrote a blog post called He Who Is Not Against Us Is For Us. And you can find that on PadrePeregrino.org. Should have gone up last week. And I just want to make the point, I'm not signing on to ecumenism when you see me quote a non-Catholic. So you don't have to worry. I have no danger of leaving traditional Catholicism when I quote someone else making a good point. As I mentioned before, just look at Acts 17.23 when St. Paul quotes a pagan poet to make his point. As you know, the Roman Catechism of Trent, it's the only infallible catechism in the church because it pulls from all magisterial infallible documents. Not because it's a catechism, but because it pulls from infallible documents, including scripture. So let's go right into RCT 7, the certainty of our faith. That's phrase 1, section 3. Catechism says, knowledge of God obtained through faith is more certain. means this in comparison to just reason. The Catechism says, these great and sublime truths regarding the nature of God, which are in full accord with Scripture, the philosophers were able to learn from an investigation of God's works. But even here we see the necessity of divine revelation if we reflect that not only does faith, as we have already observed, make known clearly and at once to the rude and unlettered those truths which only the learned could discover, and that by long study, and that by long study, but also that the knowledge obtained through faith is much more certain and more secure against error than if it were the result of philosophical inquiry. Me here. So this is why last time I explained that whereas natural reason can indeed show, say, a decent pagan philosopher like Socrates or Jordan Peterson, in rare occasions that God is spiritual, and God is eternal, and God is good, and God is wise, and God is kind. Even those basic aspects of God's eternity are illuminated by God just when some blue-collar Catholic picks up his Bible or the Roman Catechism just a few times a week. He's going to understand even these basic aspects of God, God's wisdom, his goodness, his kindness, more by even putting his toes in the shallow end of the pool of Catholicism because divine revelation is so rich. So again, notice that the RCT said today, faith, as we have already observed, makes known clearly and at once to the rude and unlettered those truths which only the learned could discover and that by long study. Of course, rude there, it means unrefined. It doesn't mean impolite. Sometimes you're going to hear some British words in there. So again, rude means unrefined, not impolite. And also, by the way, one word I didn't point out earlier in the last RCT was mean. Here, the British term for mean means also unrefined, not rude. And then the word deity, that simply means the one true God. 
that is the Trinity. And the Catechism continues, Knowledge of God obtained through faith is more ample and exalted. But how much more exalted must not that knowledge of the deity be considered, which cannot be acquired in common by all, from the contemplation of nature, but is peculiar to those who are illuminated by the light of faith? This knowledge is contained in the articles of the Creed, which disclose to us the unity of the divine essence and the distinction of three persons, and show also that God himself is the ultimate end of our being, from whom we are to expect the enjoyment of the eternal happiness of heaven. According to the words of St. Paul, God is a rewarder of them that seek him. Hebrews 11.6 How great are these rewards, and whether they are such that human knowledge could aspire to their attainment, we learn from these words of Isaiah, uttered long before those of the Apostle, From the beginning of the world, they have not heard nor perceived with the ears. The eye hath not seen besides thee, O God, what things thou hast prepared for them that wait for thee. Isaiah 64, 4. Me here again. So, you know, I blogged recently about the flathead, flathead Indians of Montana. You know, before the Jesuits ever arrived there in Montana, these flathead Indians were living natural law to an extraordinary degree. How were they doing this? Well, for one, they only took one wife. They had an abhorrence of lying. They never lied. Perhaps this was due to the meditation of nature around them. It speaks truth. And they even understood, as we kind of talked about earlier, that God was one. They didn't believe in many gods. They even understood God was one even before the missionaries got there. But generally speaking, this wasn't enough to be saved. They still needed baptism and the light of faith. They still needed Christ and the Catholic Church and the sacraments. But here's the thing, because of how well they were living natural law, nearly the entire tribe converted when the Jesuits arrived in the 18th or 19th century, telling them about Christ and the Catholic Church. So them following their conscience through natural law kind of greased the skids, so to speak, for the gospel to come riding in so perfectly. This account of American history nearly fulfills to a T those words we heard in RCT following a mention of meditation on nature that can only show us a few aspects of God. It said, The knowledge is contained in the articles of the creed which disclose to us the unity of the divine essence and the distinction of three persons, and show also that God himself is the ultimate end of our being, from whom we are to, to expect the enjoyment of the eternal happiness of heaven. According to the words of St. Paul, God is a rewarder of them that seek him. The Catechism continues on the unity of nature in God. From what is said, it must also be confessed that there is but one God, not many gods. For we attribute to God supreme goodness and infinite perfection. And it is impossible that what is supreme and most perfect could be common to many. If a being lack anything that constitutes supreme perfection, it is therefore imperfect and cannot have the nature of God. The unity of God is also proved from many passages of sacred scripture. It is written, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, Deuteronomy 6.4. Again the Lord commands, Thou shalt have no strange gods before me, Exodus 23. And further, he often admonishes us by the prophet, I am the first and I am the last, and besides me there is no God, Isaiah 48.12, Isaiah 44.6. The Apostle also openly declares, There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, in Ephesians 4.5. It should not, however, excite our surprise if the sacred scriptures sometimes 
Give the name of God to creatures. For when they call the prophets and judges gods, they do not speak according to the manner of the Gentiles, who in their folly and impiety form to themselves many gods, but express by a manner of speaking, then in use, some eminent quality or function conferred on such persons by the gift of God. Me here. So all of this reminds me of Romans 1, which reads about how even before, even before someone becomes a Christian or a Jew, a pagan or an unbeliever can still avoid certain unnatural sins. Why? Because natural law is written on every human heart. All seven billion people on the planet have the Ten Commandments written on their heart, even before they become a Christian. How do we know this? Because St. Paul writes in Romans 1, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So today in today's RCT, we see two groups of pagans described. We see the flathead Indians who were following natural law, who only took one wife, knew there was only one God, and didn't lie, and nearly their entire tribe became Catholic when the Jesuits showed up. And then unfortunately, we have St. Paul talk about certain pagans who, by ignoring the Ten Commandments written on their heart, they turned entirely from God and then turned over to what we'll call unnatural sins. And then the worst punishment possible from God is God gave them up to the lusts of their heart. So this shows that even before someone comes to know Christ, they have to follow their conscience if they're going to know even the basics about God. And when they do follow their conscience, it, again, to use modern parlance, greases the skids for the gospel to come rocketing into their hearts for them to have a relationship with Christ in the Catholic Church. Okay, and the last paragraph for today from the Catechism is on the Trinity of Persons in God. The Christian faith, therefore, believes and professes, as is declared in the Nicene Creed in confirmation of this truth, that God in his nature, substance and essence, is one. But soaring still higher, it so understands him to be one that it adores unity in Trinity, and Trinity and unity of this mystery we now proceed to speak as it comes next in order of the creed. Me here. So remember how in RCT6 I mentioned that some people like Socrates and Plato, maybe Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro, they could come to some truths of God, namely that he was spirit, that he's eternal, that he's good, that God is wise, that God is kind. But, and this is our launching point to the next RCT, without divine revelation, without Christian divine revelation, without Catholic divine revelation, no one can know about the Incarnation, or the Virgin Birth, or the Trinity. Now, some people say there were pagan prophets before Christ who were kind of given clues to what was coming, but even those clues came from God. Anything in the Old Testament uh, predicting, for example, the suffering servant, 
or even the plurality we see in Genesis 1, let us make man in our image and likeness, obviously even those clues of the Trinity came from God himself. So divine revelation is necessary for all good theology and most of good philosophy because, as St. Thomas Aquinas said in his first paragraph on the Summa, even as regards those truths about God which human reason could have discovered, it was necessary that man should be taught by a divine revelation, because the truth about God, such as reason could discover, would only be known by a few, and that after a long time, and with the admixture of many errors. Okay, so as we go forward, we're going to be looking at theology. We've talked a lot about philosophy the past few RCTs. As we go forward, we're going to look at theology. Do keep in mind that no philosopher could ever know about the Trinity until Christ revealed the Trinity. So think about that. How thankful are you for that? Do you ever just sit down and thank God that you were born after the birth and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Or do you just kind of think it was your due or your right to be in that small percentage of people on the planet, even now, who knows the basics of divine revelation. We really should be so thankful that we're Catholic, or if you're listening and not Catholic, you should be so thankful that you're being invited into the Catholic faith. You know, we take all these things for granted that we even know the definition of such an awesome word like Trinity. Even if we can't fathom the depths of how God could be both one and three, as we heard this unity and trinity and trinity and unity, God has still chosen to reveal that to us. Please say an Our Father for me, et benedictio de omnipotentis, Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, descendet super vos et maniat semper. Amen.